Well, as I heard the scriptures proclaimed this morning, I have to say the phrase that caught my attention was when Paul says, Owe nothing to anyone. I would like to send that Bible verse to our United States government in our debt situation. Owe nothing to anyone. Well, Cain killed his brother Abel. And remember, God comes to Cain and says, where is your brother? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Well, we have an answer to that question in the readings today. The answer is yes. We are responsible for each other. So God tells the prophet Ezekiel, if you do not speak out and dissuade the wicked from his way, I will hold you responsible. We are our brother's keeper. God loves us so much that he sends prophets to warn us of spiritual dangers. So he sets Ezekiel as a watchman over the house of Israel. And you and I, by virtue of our baptism, are prophetic. We're all called to be watchmen or watchwomen. Now, in biblical times and medieval times, the watchmen would stand at the highest point on the city wall or up on the mountains. And they would warn the people of impending doom or invaders. Remember the movie Lord of the Rings, the watchmen are up in the mountains lighting the signal fires to warn the towns of the invaders coming. Well, when it comes to physical danger, we just instinctually know this. If we see a child about to touch a hot stove, we cry out, don't touch that, it's hot. If we see a little child about to put something in an electrical outlet, we say, don't do that, you'll get electrocuted. If we warn people of physical danger, how much more important is it to warn people of spiritual danger? It's actually a spiritual work of mercy. Now, we know the corporal works of mercy, right? Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the imprisoned, bury the dead, welcome the stranger. Do we know the spiritual works of mercy? Here they are. Instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, comfort the sorrowful, be patient with those in error, forgive offenses, pray for the living and dead, and admonish sinners. Wow! Admonish sinners! This sounds so countercultural. Because we live in a culture where the buzzword is tolerance. I'm okay, you're okay. What has happened culturally that makes us terrified of warning people of spiritual danger? It's called moral relativism. Okay, now we've all heard this saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. Now that's still true today. We are called to love people. But we don't condone sin. Now let me repeat that. We're not called to judge people. We don't condemn people. We're called to love people. But we can judge actions. We can say murder is evil. Stealing is wrong. In World War II, when they gathered innocent people up and exterminated them in concentration camps, we can look at that and say, that's a heinous crime against the dignity of human life and humanity. We don't judge people, we judge actions. Now, what's happened culturally? 
Moral relativism has set in. And this is the notion now that the individual is the norm of morality. Well, I decide for myself what's right or wrong, good or evil. Moral relativism is the rejection that there's any absolute truth that has its origins in God that applies to all people. So in moral relativism, the moral relativist says, well, God is not the source of truth and goodness. I don't have to conform my life to God's commands. I'm the norm of truth. I decide for myself what's good and evil. Now, does that sound a little prideful? (laughs) That's why pride is at the root of fallen humanity. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Now, under the perspective of moral relativism, if you judge a person's actions, you're judging the person because they're the norm of their own moral system, right? Now, this is why people of good faith who are trying to live out a prophetic vocation of being watchmen and watchwomen cry out at the face of injustice only to hear the response, don't impose your morality on me. We've all perhaps heard that. What is our response to that? I don't have any morality of my own. I'm not the norm of morality. Truth and morality come from God. Even our founding fathers recognize this, that there are certain truths that are self-evident, endowed by our Creator, that come from God, that apply to all people. We give our assent to these truths. So, this is all to say that admonishing the sinner is still a spiritual work of mercy, and we're responsible for each other. Out of love, we care. We don't want people to get hurt. A life of sin can never make us happy. No. The manner in which fraternal correction is carried out is so important. Just four points about that. Fraternal correction is always, should always be done out of love. St. John Bosco founded a religious community. They founded orphanages, and he told his brothers, never, never correct the children out of anger. Correct them only out of love. Secondly, We must be humble. We should never come across as superior or condescending towards someone who is doing something wrong. Before we call a brother or sister to repentance, we must first humbly recognize our own sinfulness. Pope Francis, preaching on this gospel, said, The same awareness that enables me to recognize the fault of another reminds me that I likewise make mistakes and I am often wrong. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. Third, we have to earn the right to be heard. We don't confront strangers. Fraternal correction underneath that is a relationship. The person must know this is coming from a place of genuine concern and love for them. Fourth, We should be willing to accompany fellow sinners. We don't just drop bombs and then walk away. When we call somebody out, we don't say, well, you got a big problem. Good luck with that. No, we should be willing, as Pope Francis has been encouraging us, to accompany people, to walk with them, to say, hey, 
you know what, I'm weak too. Let's help each other. Let's hold each other accountable. I'm willing to walk with you. Let's help one another. Now the gospel provides a lot of practical advice on how to confront someone who injures us. Notice first the gospel doesn't say, you know what, go immediately over their head to their superior. No, we first go directly to the person that's injured us. And only if they don't listen do we take it up to the next level in the chain of command. This is, in social justice, the principle of subsidiarity. We handle things first on the local level. If I, I don't call the President of the United States over a pothole, I call the local government. Second, notice Jesus doesn't say, when someone sins against you, go tell everyone what a jerk that person is. In fact, put it out on social media. This is the sin of detraction. We so often gossip, telling people's faults. We tell everybody except the one person that can do anything about it, the person that's injured us. Notice too, Jesus doesn't say, brood over injury for weeks and months and years. Believe me, we've got to forgive quickly and we avoid doing things we don't like to do. We avoid confrontation, but we got to get this out and confront the situation and get it over, not brooding over things forever. Finally, I just want to close with this. Not only do we think about, okay, this is tough, delivering fraternal correction, but let's think about how we receive fraternal correction. When someone points out a way that we could improve or do better, how do we receive that? Do we get defensive? Do we, in our pride, as we sing in the psalm, is our heart hardened when God, out of love for us, sends prophets into our lives to challenge us to holiness and righteousness? Do we respond negatively? Or do we say in charity and love, in humility, thank you, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Thank you for helping me grow. Thank you for pointing that out. I know I can improve. See, God in his love, he's going to send his prophets. And we too are called to be those prophetic voices. We're all called ultimately to help one another, to challenge one another, to become the saints that God has created us to be.